0: Welcome to Hadley Presents. I'm your host, Ricky Enger, inviting you to sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation with the experts. In this episode, Hadley's Chief Program Officer Ed Haynes and Eschenbach CEO Ken Bradley join us to discuss the Telelo Vision program for trying low vision devices. Welcome to the show, everybody.
1: Good afternoon. Yeah, thanks, Ricky. This is going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's great to have you both here. I know that Eschenbach is really sort of a household name when it comes to low vision devices. So it's wonderful to have you here, Ken, to discuss not just the devices that you have, but a way that people can try those and figure out what is going to work best for them. Before we of jump into the questions why don't we just get a little bit of information about each of you so ed we'll start with you just a sentence or two for people who don't know you
1: sure thanks ricky Uh, my name's ed haynes and i'm the chief program officer here at hadley
0: and uh probably a familiar voice to those of you who listen to the program on occasion and uh, ken how about you tell us a bit about yourself
2: well thanks ricky uh i'm the president of eschenbach optic of america Eschenbach Optic of America is a member of the Eschenbach Group of Companies, whose biggest business focus in the optical category is manufacturing magnification solutions and other devices for people who are visually impaired.
0: That's great. Yeah. And as I said, uh, really, I think a a household name you've been... You know, Bach has been around for for a bit and always producing really quality devices. So, looking forward to learning more about Telelo Vision, which I think is such a a needed thing. And the interesting thing is, I think you all were doing this even before the pandemic. And just, again, looking forward to learning a bit more about what this is, how it works, and how people might get involved if they are looking to you know, figure out those devices that are going to work best for them. So with that, I will turn it over to you, Ed. I know you've got some great questions.
1: Great. Thanks, Ricky. Uh, Ken, I work for Hadley now, but for a lot of years I worked as an itinerant vision rehabilitation therapist, and I've worked in some really rural areas, and I know how hard it is for a lot of folks to access low vision services. You know, it's not just the travel, it's actually a lack of providers. I've worked in places where there just wasn't a low vision provider, so... Can you give us just an overview of the Telelow vision program and maybe describe how it's designed to make low vision devices more accessible to people?
2: Well, Ed, thanks for the question. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, our tele vision program is actually something that was on the drawing board at our company for, for, for many years. Uh, so to Ricky's point, yes, it was before the pandemic. But the, the pandemic actually really amplified the need for some type of remote solution. To assist those people who are visually impaired in availing themselves of low vision rehabilitation services. Distances are great. Uh, Lack of providers is certainly there. These are challenges that exist in public health overall and are compounded when someone is disabled for whatever potential sensory disability that they may have, like low vision. Our goal was to create a treatment modality of sorts that a An isolated provider with the expertise and knowledge could extend to someone who's visually impaired in another location so that people didn't have to go dormant with regard to their rehabilitation plans during the pandemic, but still have access one way or another. You know, we looked at what was going on in the overall consumer market, and we did see that while the pandemic was horrific on a number of levels, Many innovative businesses adapted by extending their service model, their customer service model, in very creative ways. Food delivery never became more popular. Uh, Just about anything that you want to purchase can be delivered right to your door now. Any of these types of adaptations, we were really keenly aware of and focusing on saying, how can we bring that to our little corner of the healthcare market. And so we wanted to make it as accessible and easy as possible. The emphasis was on simplicity for both the provider and for the visually impaired patient or consumer.
1: So for, uh, you know, for a lot of older adults, particularly who are losing vision later in life, it's, it's not a one and done deal. You know, there's a progress and a journey that they go on and they lose vision incrementally. So, at what point in that process do you think it's appropriate to, to introduce the tele-low vision program? And I guess a follow-up question, am I right in assuming this, this doesn't take the place of a in-person exam by an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, for instance?
2: No, actually, you know, it really is a system that is designed to be quarterbacked by the captain of the low vision rehab team, whoever that may be. So in many cases, that might be a doctor of ophthalmology or optometry, it might be a certified low vision therapist, it might be a rehab counselor. Whoever the low vision care provider would be for that patient or consumer in an in-person encounter would likely be the individual that coordinates our tele-low vision service for that individual on a remote basis. And I, I certainly agree with regard to you know the, the challenges that something like this overcomes access and the lack of providers, you know, contributing to that. We, when we envisioned the telelovision program and structured it, we wanted to make sure that it had a, a lifespan that exceeded the duration of the pandemic. And you know, while we certainly are still in the throes of the pandemic, the telelovision model not just serves the population that historically was served through in-person low vision care. But now can be used as patients are returning to practice offices, can be used to treat and care for patients that are homebound and or are too great a distance away from their low vision care provider to to avail themselves of an in-person low vision evaluation. So the system is really made up of two diagnostic kits of sort. One is purely for testing purposes and it is sent to the visually impaired individual by the provider. And contained in that kit is a uh, an iPad with a HIPAA compliant, secure, one button connection to the provider via the web. And so it's very simple to set up, it's very simple to connect, and you'll immediately have a face to face connection with your low vision care provider. In that first kit are also a number of tests that are determined by the provider based on their discretion, experience, and knowledge of the patient as to what do we really need to know about this patient's condition to help them find a successful solution. And we customize those all the time. It's really just a range of different kinds of test charts and other types of materials that help the two parties work together to really nail down on what the best solution would be.
1: So that's fantastic. That that means, uh, I know on, the, on your website, it mentions near acuity, distance acuity, and contrast tests, but it sounds like there may be other tests as well that you can provide in a kit like color vision, glare sensitivity, peripheral field, that kind of thing.
2: Absolutely. We're, you know, we are not, let's say, rigid in terms of which tests we are willing to include in that eye doctor diagnostic kit. Frankly, that's up to the practitioner. The practitioner enjoys results they get from an MN read test for patients that are are still reading, or they like to use that as a metric measure of performance over time, hey, we'll put that in there. We can, we'll can. we include whatever the provider feels is necessary for them to gather the information they need to make a successful recommendation for their patient or client.
1: And then I'm assuming then, based on that initial first part of the program, that testing period, then the uh, provider prescribes some potential solutions, some optical or perhaps other solutions that you include in a second kit, if I have my information correct. So Can that kit include more than optical uh, handheld magnifiers or stand magnifiers? Can it also include things like monoculars or um, even electronic magnification?
2: Absolutely, the full range. The only challenge we run into comes with, let's just say, physical size. So if a desktop video magnifier or CCTV, as some people know it, is what the provider feels the patient or client needs, that would actually come in a second or third kit because it takes up all the available space. But we like to recommend that the low vision care provider include in that product kit to be sent to the patient uh, all the devices that they are secure in knowing that their follow-up appointment will cover and additional devices should the time be available to review them with the patient. So yes, that includes handheld magnifiers, stand magnifiers spectacles, monoculars, binocular systems, absorptive filters, and, and what we'll actually do as well in many cases. Because you know low vision is an art as much as it is a science, low vision care, and knowing that the patient's home environment is different than what typically might be encountered in an exam room or some other kind of therapy room, we'll also bracket the power ranges of the devices recommended. So if a low vision care provider thinks their patient needs uh, magnification at a level of about 6x. We'll send devices out in the product kit at 6x, but we'll also include 5x and 7x solutions because our goal is to achieve success. And the more specific we Try to be the more difficult it can be for the patient in the end if they're unsuccessful with a singular option. So we do what we call bracketing the solutions so that we can almost be assured that the patient will
1: find success. Well, that makes perfect sense because, well, as you know, um, one specific one certain task people may find success with one level of magnification, but with an yet just another slightly different tasks, they need a different level of magnification. So that can be kind of a big kit. I know I've, I've lugged kits out of car trunks and into people's homes quite often. So that's a lot to send to people.
2: It's about the size of a large briefcase.
1: I know you mentioned the iPad that's uh, HIPAA compliant. And does that then stay with the patient after the testing period so that they can again use it uh, as they're being trained with the devices?
2: Well, actually, what we try to do to keep it as simple as possible is we try to go with kits that the patient unpacks, repacks, and sends back whole. So when the patient is done with the the eye doctor diagnostic kit, they put the iPad back in the kit along with any of the test charts, et cetera. They close it up. They put the very simple directional lock back on it, leave it outside their front door, and they call Eschenbach to have a UPS pickup. Arranged, uh, and that's all done at our cost. Then, on the product kit, we send another iPad within the kit as well for the reconnection, so that it all stays self-contained and the patient doesn't need to worry about misplacing or losing or anything like that.
1: That's great. And once they've, you know, had a chance to get their hands on the devices, they've tried them, they've used them, and they've just decided which ones they like to keep. Um, and if, I understand they send the unneeded items back, but then how do they pay for those devices they decide to keep? Is that go is that directly to Eschenbach or to the provider?
2: Well, that's actually between the provider and the patient. So we're providing the service simultaneously to the provider and the patient, but the transaction is between the provider and the patient themselves.
1: You folks basically are just sending all this stuff out free and get, taking it back at no cost to the patient whatsoever. That's wonderful.
2: I have to say that it's been um, a very successful model so far we have a number of measures that we've been employing to test the efficacy of the system and what we actually find is that we have a 70% success rate meaning that patients are satisfied with one or more low vision devices that they have procured as a function of participating in the television program uh, and in addition to that we find that the average number of visual goals that is addressed by the provider with the patient in a telelovision setting exceeds what they're doing in person, which is is really very interesting, and I think it has a lot to do with the not as much time pressure and also the casual environment that the patient is in their own home.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, the home environment things work so much differently at home than they do in a clinical setting. I've I've seen lots of homes where people pull out a a desk drawer. And there's a whole lot of magnifiers in there that they thought they could use when they were at the doctor's office. But when they got home, they weren't necessarily as uh, as worthwhile. So that's really interesting. And you sort of anticipated my fi- really next and final question. Can you share any experiences you've gathered from providers or patients, any quotes or any, any things you've heard from them that indicate how they like the program? And what do they say they like about it? And then uh, also conversely, are there any common areas of potential misuse or pitfalls that people should know uh, to avoid?
2: Well, in terms of uh, testimonial value, our customers that have embraced the uh, television kit are across the board very happy with it. Now, usually our feedback is coming directly from the provider because we don't communicate directly with the consumer or patients frequently. Because again, we leave that to the patient provider you know, protocol and privacy. Nonetheless, by virtue of the fact that we are seeing the success rate of the use of the kit at the levels that we're seeing, clearly the patients are satisfied and successful as well. I think that uh, overall, what we're getting in terms of feedback is surprise. And it's surprise from providers, uh, I would say on, on two levels. The surprise one is how easy it was to actually use. That is a function of, I think, the team here at Ashrambach doing a fabulous job of constructing a tele program that really is simple for both providers and patients. And also the second element of surprise that our providers are sharing with us is the surprise over how easy it was for their patients to use the system. And that's something that we, when we launched this program, this product and system we were we were a little nervous about we didn't know how you know the 85 year old would embrace the technology involved in you know our low vision program in some of the greatest most challenging patient situations where there isn't a provider available or a caregiver present at the same time and and where some of the environmental concerns present uh, additional risk to success they've still succeeded. And so I think those are the two elements of surprise that our providers are sharing with us, how easy it is for them to use it and how willing and capable their patients are at leveraging it, even in, you know, coming from profile populations that you wouldn't expect it.
1: That's fantastic. And like I said, I was in many years in the field and I wish this, this program had been around while I was working. That Those are all the questions I have. Are there any um, final remarks you'd like to make about the tele vision program before we wrap things up?
2: Well, I mean, uh, I, I certainly would like to encourage anyone who is uh, interested in low vision care to maybe suspend all disbelief, and if a tele low vision meeting appointment or counseling session is recommended, to to you know to maybe uh, embrace that uh, and, and give it a shot because I think that element of surprise will be in your favor. Um, I think that's really the case. And, and for any providers that may be listening, I think that this is. This is really the, the vanguard of so many healthcare services in the future. And you know what we've seen in the past is that telehealth as a category initially embraced all of the purely medical services, but was a little bit slow to get involved in services where there were adaptive solutions, prosthetic devices, dispensable tools that resulted. And, uh, you know, it took things like uh, Warby Parker and eyewear and other remote models via the web for uh, hearing devices and things to really get the market, both the professional and consumer level, to say, you know, this may work. And this is something that maybe is appropriately suited for my lifestyle that uh, I can leverage. And I I think we're going to see more and more of this in the future. So I would say, hey, get involved and get uh, accustomed to telehealth. And if you're a low vision care provider, tell a low vision uh, as early as possible, because it, it is definitely something that will be present for the next decades, for sure.
0: That's fantastic. And I think you're right that it is going to become more and more prevalent. So for anyone who is listening, who has low vision and they're thinking, this sounds amazing, but I really don't know if my provider is involved or I don't know how to Ask for this sort of service. Do you have any thoughts on how that process gets started? Given that you're sort of doing all the communication with the provider, so is it that they should contact their provider first, and perhaps the con- uh, the provider should contact Eschenbach about this program? Is that how it works?
2: Well, if if they have an eye care provider that provides low vision care, then I would certainly prompt them. To say, hey, look, I can't, you know, for whatever reason, it may be, maybe it's a, a concurrent malady that prevents me from leaving the home for the next 12 weeks or something. Yeah, you know, call your provider and say, hey, can we do something via telehealth or tele low vision immediately so that I don't have to wait? And if you just remember the name Eschenbach, If they're a low vision care provider, they'll know the name and they'll know that we can provide assistance in that regard. If you're a consumer, if you're a consumer who's visually impaired and you don't have a low vision care provider, uh, you can just reach out to us and we've got thousands and thousands of customers, hundreds of which at this point in time are comfortable with the tele-low vision program. And we can certainly try to, you know, make a referral that will be able to help them get care as soon as possible.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Ken, for sharing uh, the information about this. I think it's really exciting and, uh, of course, incredibly useful. Uh, appreciate your spending a little time with us and you too, Ed.
2: Thanks, Ricky, and, and thanks, Ken. Thank you both very much. It was a pleasure.
0: Got something to say? Share your thoughts about this episode of Hadley Presents or make suggestions for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast- at hadley.edu. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at hadley.edu. Or leave us a message at 847-784-2870. Thanks for listening.